Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Glad you could join us. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we thank you so much for this time we're about to have with you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll open their eyes and open their ears and open their hearts that they may see and understand, O Lord God, what your word is saying here today. We praise you, Lord God. I give this time and this space entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Again, welcome. Glad you could join us here today. And um, I'll say at the onset here, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause and run and get your Bible and maybe a marker or pencil, paper, you know, pen, something to take some notes because you'd be surprised how note taking can benefit you uh, later on as you go through life and things come up and you have these notes and highlights in your Bible to help you navigate through those times. Uh, Today, I want to talk a bit about courage. And uh, and how courage works in our lives, okay? How does it play out when we have courage in our lives? But uh, let me just start out by saying, so, well, you know, what is courage? What is courage? Courage is not the absence of fear, right? Courage is not the absence of fear. It is moving forward in the presence of fear, right? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward in the presence of fear. Courageous people do what they believe in their hearts they should do, no matter how they feel or what kinds of doubts and fearful thoughts fill their minds. We keep on moving forward. So as usual, we always have to give as a point of reference, we have to go to the Bible, to the Word of God. What does Scripture say about courage and how does is courage defined for us in the Bible? Well, I'm going to, going to go to Scripture and we're going to go to the book of Exodus, Exodus 11. Praise the living God. Exodus chapter 11. And we're going to start with verse number one. And it's kind of background here. You know, we're starting with here. This is um, as they were about to to be set free from Egypt. All right. So we're going to start here where um, the, the plagues had been, you know, poured out upon Egypt and so forth. And Pharaoh was being hard hearted and still not wanting to let them go. And so we're going to take up take up from there. OK, the plagues have already played out and we're going to go from there. And I want to illustrate to you what courage in the face of fear is all about based on the Bible. And then, of course, see how that can relate to us today here in the 21st century. You know, the wonderful thing about the Bible is that it's, it's a timeless book. And the things that were, were written, you know, centuries ago, millennia ago, uh, still apply to us today. And the whole thing is for us as Christians and as Bible students is to read the Word of God and see how Holy Spirit can minister to us and relate to us uh, by today's standards, you know, what the Word of God is saying and how it can be beneficial to us, okay? So we're going to start with Exodus 11 and verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one more plague, okay, one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. Then he shall let you go. He shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. He's saying he's going to tell you to go. There's one more plague. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver, jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt. This is what the Lord is saying. About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. 
All the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that's sitting upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. Okay? He said, there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was never like before, nor shall be like it anymore. All right. So God is saying one final thing. Pharaoh refused after all the other plagues, you know, you know, the, the, the locusts, the frogs, the blood turning into water. After all of that, Pharaoh was still stubborn. God said, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to take the firstborn. I'm going to take the firstborn. Then we go down to uh, Exodus 12. Go down to Exodus 12:29. Exodus 12:29 okay and we see here and it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn uh, of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of uh, of cattle and Pharaoh rose up in the night he and all his servants and all the Egyptians and there was a great cry in Egypt and there was not a house that uh, where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. So finally, Pharaoh is saying, get out, okay, get out. You said you wanted to go and serve your God, so go. Moses, you and all of your people, go, all right? The, 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 the dying there, you know, the, first, the, the uh, firstborn there dying as God said would happen, was finally the, it was the final straw. And Pharaoh finally said, okay, you can go. All right. And then if we go to chapter 13, verse 17, chapter 13, verse number 17. Okay. Number 17. And it says, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. So in other words, there was a shorter route that they could take. But God said, if I take them through that shorter route and they're going to go through the land of the Philistines, the Israelites are going to get fearful. Okay, They're going to get, going to get worried. They're not going to be prepared for what they see. So I'm not going to send them in that direction. For God said, unless peradventure, the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. So God is saying that they'll get so fearful if I take them that way, if I take them through the hard ropes there, that they're going to, going to, going to go back to Egypt. You know, they want to take the quote unquote, the easy way out, you know. And sometimes we have that happen to us in our lives too, you know, and we, we most likely are not aware of it when God is taking us on a journey. When God has a challenge that is coming up before us, okay, God sometimes will not take us to what may be a shorter route because God knows that if he takes us in that route, you know, the, the quickest route to achieve what, what it is that we're praying for, that any, any obstacles that we run into, we're not going to want to stand up and fight for it, you know, that we, we will give in, we'll cave in. You know, so many times in our lives, God will, will will take us the long way, if you will, on our journey, because he knows that we are not ready yet to 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 stand against whatever obstacles might be there on the shorter way. OK, so God said, I'm not going to take them through the land of the Philistines because I know that they'll get weak need and they'll cry out. I want to go back to Egypt. They'll give up. 
All right. So we have to be prepared for that in our lives, too. And sometimes, as you've heard me say before, you know, after something that you've been praying for and hoping for comes to fruition and comes to pass in your life, Holy Spirit may reveal to you why certain things happened or didn't happen uh, on your journey to get to that point. You know, God in his infinite wisdom, you know, he knows you even better than yourself and he knows what you can take and what you're ready to take. And he many times he will protect you from that by not taking you through that route, which may even although it may be shorter. Okay, it would probably have been more arduous for you. Okay, so it was better the route that God took you in. Okay, so we see in verse number 18, the God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land. And Moses uh, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Okay, so here you see now that God is leading them. God is leading them. Pharaoh had finally allowed the Israelites to leave. Okay, but then we'll see that he had a change of heart. But as far as God got got God guiding them, uh, which is something for us to think about too. You know, when we are going through our wilderness experience, and we all have wilderness experiences. I did a sermon on that some time ago, and I won't get into a lot of detail now. But a wilderness experience in our life is is when we are are struggling through a process. Okay, it may be something you're praying for, you're something you're hoping for. Uh, maybe it's a job opportunity, maybe it's a house, maybe it's a mortgage you're hoping to get, and you're going through the whole bank approval process. You know, and it may, and you know, the whole thing getting from the time that you select your house to closing, as you know, can be weeks and months and sometimes and whatever that process may be it could be infirmity you know and, and so so this is is your wilderness if you will but when you are in that wilderness god will still protect you and he will still guide you now it says that the lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them by the way and and a night a pillar of fire okay now the pillar of a cloud the israelites were familiar with because our um, in, in those days if you were on a long journey uh particularly like in a caravan a long caravan of, of people or, i don't know maybe they were camels oxen or whatever it was very often what was done was that they would take um a, a a, 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 a brazier, which is like a, it's almost like an old fashioned, old fashioned, people still use it today, but it's like a barbecue pit, those round, shallow barbecue pits. They usually sit on a stand or whatever, and you put your barbecue coals in it, charcoal in it and so on. It was similar to that. They would put, they would put wood in it or stuff that could burn and they would hoist it up and lift it up on, on, uh, on some poles so that it would give off the smoke. And the people would see the smoke in a distance so that people in, in the, in the, uh, uh uh, further parts of the caravan in the back of the caravan they maybe maybe they couldn't see the people in the very front but they could at least see the smoke this cloud of smoke that was going up up from this uh, 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 um, 
hot pit, if you will, that they were carrying with, with combustible materials in it. So in other words, this thing gave off smoke, and that was at the front of the line. People in the back could see the smoke that's going up. So this pillar of the cloud, you know, you know, a cloud to the Israelites was very, very familiar, okay? And the fire was used in a similar fashion in the back because at nighttime they could be seen, all right? So, 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 so that's what they had, had to lead them, all right? And he took, the, he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Okay, now, as I said, Pharaoh had finally let them go. Now we see in verse number, chapter 14, in verse number uh, 16. Now, let's start at 1. Chapter 14, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Piharharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baalzephon, before it you shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh shall say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Okay. So what, what, what God is saying here, he said that Pharaoh will say about the children of Israel, they're entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. So in other words, Pharaoh is going to start gloating and say, Israel is going off. They think that they're going to just get away from this with no problem. They're going to be entangled in the wilderness because there's no way for them to get out. So he was really confident that the Israelites were not going to fare well on this journey that they were taking. Verse number five says, and it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. You see, exactly like God said, you know, this is God had said, Pharaoh's going to be thinking to himself and saying they're entangled in the land. They're, they're going to be trapped. And surely enough, what happens here in verse number five, it says, and when they told the king of Egypt, when they told uh, Pharaoh that the Israelites had left, the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. So Pharaoh got mad now, okay? He told him to leave. He told him to leave, you know, after the firstborn were killed, were died. After they all died, Pharaoh said, get out of Dodge, get out of town. And then after they left, now all of a sudden, Pharaoh is upset about it. And he says, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Don't forget, Israel was in captivity and serving them for 400 years, 400 years, okay? They had been their servants, their slaves and everything. All right. And so now Pharaoh is saying, Jesus, I let them go. But why did we do this? They've been serving us all this time. Why should we have let them go? Verse number six says, and he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. So surely enough, he went after and started chasing them. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand, okay? Going out with a high hand mean like they went out, you know, feeling all proud and, and defiant now. You know, they finally, they we beat Pharaoh. Look, he let us go. He let us go. So they're all puffed up and they're, 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 they're joyful that they, they were going out, okay? Children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them. All the, uh, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh pursued after them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pahiroth, beside Baalzephon. All right. So Pharaoh is chasing them now. So here they are. They run up into the sea. Remember said, remember Pharaoh said, they're going to be trapped. 
They're going to be trapped. Pharaoh is kind of gloating over this. All right. They're going to be trapped. And then it says there in verse number 10. And when Pharaoh draw nigh, drew nigh or draw, you know, came near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. Underline, please. And were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Okay. So now, can you picture this now? You have all of these people. I think the scripture said there were over 600,000 people. And, and they were going, and they were all happy and joyful and feeling defiant that they had beat Pharaoh. Pharaoh let, let them go. And now all of a sudden, they're in this land. They're getting close to the sea. They're nowhere to go. And they're looking over their shoulder. And all of a sudden, they see Pharaoh's army barreling down on them. They had no defense against that kind of army. I mean, Pharaoh's army had yet his chariots, his spears, his swords, and all the you know also other weaponry and so forth. And here the Israelites were there. Oh, gee whiz! What are we going to do? They're coming after ten again. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Verse eleven. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, has you have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? In other words, why you'd bring us into the wilderness? Wasn't there a place to bury us in Egypt? <laughs> why are you bringing us to die in the wilderness? Couldn't we have died in Egypt and were there no graves there to, to put us in, you know, you know to, to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt, to carry us forth out of Egypt? Okay. Now, in the Amplified Bible, it says, and they said to Moses, Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you treated us this way and brought us out of Egypt? Now, they wanted to go. They were there for, for what was it, uh, you know, 400 years, 400 years. They finally got cut loose. And now all of a sudden they're complaining to Moses, is this what you did for us? You brought us out here to die? Couldn't we have just died in, in Egypt? Why, why did you bring us into this? Verse number 12 says, is not this the world that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness, than that we should die in the wilderness. Amplified says, did we not tell you in Egypt, let us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So now all of a sudden, now, now they're complaining. Verse number 13 says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. And I say to you right now, if you've got something going on in your life that is really, 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 really troubling you, really burdening you, then I say to you today, to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. God is there and he's going to deliver you the same way he is about to deliver the Israelites, as we'll see in a moment in reading. Okay. Stand still and realize, realize that God goes before you. He goes before you and that he will show you his salvation. Okay. He goes on to say, see, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. All right? He's telling them, the Egyptians that you see that are chasing you, that are behind you, stand still and watch what God does, in other words, because you're not going to see them anymore. Okay, The troubles that you have, you stand still and watch what God does, and you're not going to see those troubles again. 
They will go away once and for all, and you will not see those troubles again. Amen. Amen. It says in verse number 14, the Lord shall fight for you. You shall hold your peace. Underline, please. He shall fight for you. You shall hold your peace. You shall hold your peace. In other words, courage in the face of fear. Courage in the face of fear. Whatever's going on with you right now that has you so troubled, you have courage in the face of that fear, that worry, that bondage that you're going through right now because of the fact that you've got a trouble. You've got a challenge. You've got something that's going on that you're wrestling with. All right. Hold your peace. He said, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. All right. When the Israelites see the Egyptian army pursuing them, they panic. They panic. Of course, we all know the rest of the story. And it's so easy for us to be critical of the Israelites' lack of faith. You'd wonder at this point in time, the things that they've seen, seen happen, why are they lacking faith? Why are they so afraid? However, it's understandable why they're so afraid. The most powerful army in the world is bearing down on them, and they're defenseless. You know, I'd be nervous and you'd be nervous also. Okay. And you had got this mighty army coming down after you. Moses tries to calm the people and tell them not to be afraid. Part of what he says to them is in Exodus 14, uh, 14, 14, which is well known verse that is usually translated something like the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still as according to the NIV, New, uh, New International Version of the Bible, or the Lord will fight for you. Uh, You shall hold your peace and remain at rest. That's what the Amplified says. You shall hold your peace and remain at rest. And of course, the King King James says, uh, you know, very simply, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your your peace. Now, if you look at the Torah, the Torah is um, the Torah is God's law as revealed to Moses and recorded in the first five books of the Pentateuch. uh, And and, and that reads, and I'm going to quote from the Pentateuch, from the Torah there. But Moses said to the people, have no fear. It's from the Torah now. Moses said to the people, have no fear. Stand by and witness the deliverance which the Lord will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will battle for you. You hold your peace. You hold your peace. Now, hold your peace is different than being still or at rest. Okay, when the Lord is saying here to hold your peace, that is being, that's different from being still at, still in that at rest. Now you can see how they're similar, but it's not like Moses is telling these people here, you guys just go sit over there and do nothing while God handles it. That's not what Moses is saying when he says to hold your peace. Okay, he's not saying you just go sit over there and do nothing while God handles it, handles it. Don't worry, you don't have any real responsibility here. That's not what Moses is saying to the people at all. Instead, Moses gives them a command related to what their role is in the midst of the confusion. And their role is to hold your peace, hold your peace. But God is saying to you today through this message for you to hold your peace, hold your peace. And again, does not necessarily mean to sit by and do nothing. All right. It is critical for them to comply and do their part. They are to be be active participants, not passive. 
They're to be active participants, not passive. Moses is saying the Lord will do this. He'll battle for you. But there is your role and your role is to hold your peace. That's your role to hold your peace. Now, we're living in challenging times. The economy is struggling. Crime is all around us. Schools are teaching kids all of the things that they should not be taught, teaching them the wrong materials, materials that are focusing on reading, writing, and arithmetic, as they say. There's so much deception on so many levels of government, and it's just fear, general fear and anxiety in people all around the world. Okay, There's fear and anxiety in people all around the world. It is so easy to get swept up in the anxiety and the panic especially with all the news and social media that's out there. But as believers, we must hold on to our peace at all costs. That's a command. Hold on to your peace. That's what he told Israel. God is telling the same thing to us today, to hold on to your peace. As believers, we must hold on to the fact that God is still in control, even in the midst of uncertainty and chaos. In fact, children of God, it's especially critical that we be courageous and trust God in the midst of so much uncertainty. This is where we have to hold our peace. We have to have to have courage in the face of fear. Okay, and fear is that root that is at at the at the basis of of, of, of any worry that you have. Okay, any worry, any doubts that you have, fear is fear is, is at the foundation of that. You worry about something because you fear what could happen to you if something doesn't turn your doesn't go your way, okay? So that fear, that, but but in in the face of it, we have to have that courage and we have to hold on to our our peace. As believers, must hold on to the fact that God is still in control. This is a moment for us to show that we're different. It's a good time with all this going on around us. It's a time for us to show that we are different and that our faith is more than just surface level. Okay, this is where where the metal, what is it, the metal hits the road or whatever the express, the rub hits the road, whatever that expression is. Okay, okay, okay. This is where the wheat is separated from the chaff. Okay, this is where 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 our faith must be more than just at the surface. It has to be beyond us uh, uh, going to church, you know, you know, one, once a week and not reading the Bible. You know, it, it goes beyond just us, you know, passing another brother and sister and looking at saying, praise the Lord. God is good. You know, we have to make sure that we are, are, are keeping that faith and holding on to our peace and being courageous in the face of fear. And, and, and that faith has to be more than at the surface level. We simply can't do that. We cannot do that. All right. This is a moment for us to show that we are different. It's a moment for us to, 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 to show that, that, that we don't just trust God for the answers, but we cling to God because he is the answer. All right. Let me say that again. We don't, we, we have to make sure that we're letting everyone know and that we know that we don't just trust God for the answers. We cling to him because he is the answer. Okay. And the difference is that if you're trusting God for the answer, it's like saying, okay, let me go to God and find out what he wants me to do because he'll have the answer. The answer is God. The answer is God. All right. Not like you're running to him. Okay, Lord, what am I, what am I going to do about having, getting my mortgage money together and waiting for God to give you an answer? The answer is because I need money for the mortgage. The answer is go to God. Go to God. Okay. We get in a habit of going to God because we know that he is God and that he can indeed deliver us. From, from Egypt in our lives. Okay. That will help us to hold on to our peace. And that's what God wants us to do to hold on to that peace. 
You go to Exodus 14, 15. And it says, and the Lord said to Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? 1415, and the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And we just pause there for a moment. Well, you know, this could be confusing. And you stop and think about it. It could be confusing. Isn't crying out to the Lord a good thing? Who would think that crying out to the Lord is not a good thing? So isn't crying out to the Lord a good thing? But God said to him, why Christ thou unto me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. So it's confusing. Isn't crying out to the Lord a good thing? We see that in the life of King David throughout scripture. Most often, David, before David would make a decision, you know, scripture tells us that he would seek the Lord. He would seek the Lord. But here is a commentary on Exodus 14, uh, verse 15, from a famous 11th uh, century, 11th century rabbi known as Rashi. And he said, commenting on that script, he, he said, why do you cry out to me, Moses? Moses, too, was praying and God told him, now when Israel is in distress, is not time for lengthy prayer. Altern- or t- alternatively, the verse is rendered why do you cry out as if the, fl- the plight of Israel is your responsibility? Why do you cry out to me as if the plight of Israel is your responsibility? It is for me to save the nation. Therefore, you should instruct them to move forward and I will attend to their safety. All right. You see what he's saying there? Right. Why are you crying out to me? You know, like, this is your responsibility. Their safety, their safety is my responsibility. That's why the Lord said, why Christ I unto me, speak to the children of Israel, that they go forward. That's all. Just keep going forward. Have courage in the face of that fear. Yeah. So is, is it possible that sometimes we can lose our peace by taking too much on our shoulders, feeling that it's our responsibility for someone else? While we may justify that as us taking responsibility for others, you know, but let's be honest for a second, you know, could it sometimes be arrogance? You know, when we start thinking that we are the ones that's going to be able to solve someone else's problem instead of God. Do we sometimes think too much of ourselves and maybe even try to take the place of God for people? Maybe we should ask ourselves, did God ask me to pick that up and bear the burden of it or to trust God with that? Moses, he said, wherefore, why do you cry out to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Okay. In other words, Moses, it's not your responsibility. Okay. To take them forward. This is my responsibility. So you don't have to cry out to me for that because I'm going to see you through. I'm going to see them through. Just tell them to keep moving forward. Tell them to keep going along straight ahead. So we have to be careful that we don't appoint ourselves over people to do what God is responsible for doing. This way we can hold our peace. We don't start taking up other people's burdens and trying to take care of it ourselves. That way we can hold our peace. You just leave it to God. And then we see what happened in in Exodus 14, uh, 16. But lift up thy rod. 
Lift up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow me. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. So you see here now, God is telling him what to do. God is giving him distinct instructions what to do with that rod. So we see that the angel of the Lord had been leading Israel from the front. But as the Egyptian army approached, the cloud shifted from in front of them and took up a place behind them. And it became between the army of the Egyptians and the army of Israel. Can you picture that now? All right. Remember, Egypt was chasing Israel. They were fearful. All right. And it said that they had, there was this pillar the cloud that was uh, in front of them, it now it picked up and went behind them so that they were now, that cloud was between Israel and Egypt, between Israel and Egypt. Many times in reading this, I always thought that the cloud moving between the Israelites and the Egyptians was a strategic move by God to slow down the Egyptians and protect the Israelites while he parted the Red Sea. While that may be the case, could it also have been out of mercy for Israel? Could it possibly be because God knew that Israel was so frightened? He wanted to indeed protect them. So let's think about this for a minute. If the Israelites' role is to hold their peace, would they be able to do that if they all turned around and constantly stared at the Egyptian army and was fixated on the chariots and the weapons? How much could they hold their peace if they turned around, looked behind them, and all they could see was Pharaoh battering down on them? So God said, I'm going to go between them. I'm going to go between them. I'm going to go between them. God could have protected them supernaturally in a number of ways, any number of ways. But but what if the cloud didn't go between them just to hide the Israelites from the Egyptians? Okay. What if the purpose of the cloud was not simply because God didn't want the Egyptians to be able to see the Israelites? What if God had moved that cloud between the two so that Israel could not see the Egyptians? God knew it would be very hard for them to hold their peace if they were constantly staring at the enemy. So God put that barricade, that blockage, if you will, between them. How could they hold on to their peace if they were constantly looking at their problem? How can you hold on to your peace if you are constantly looking at your problem? You need to get to the point that you realize that God is between you and the problem. God is between you and the problem. God is protecting you from the problem. So don't you go peering through God, so to speak, you know, like you're trying to peer through the cloud there between Israel and Egypt, like you're trying to look through it so you can see see Egypt, so you can see the enemy. Don't go trying to peer through God and look at your problem so much. Don't be so fixated on that problem of yours. God is there working on it. He's there protecting you. As I said, you, maybe you're in this wilderness experience where you've got so much going on, going on in your life, you know, you really can't figure it out. You know, God's, dead, God's command to you today is for you to hold your peace and know that the battle is his. You just keep on, you, you just simply keep on moving on. 
What did he tell them? Tell the people to keep moving. But God is saying to you to keep moving. And if you don't know where, which direction that you should go, maybe you should start asking God, what is that move you want me to take? What is that move you want me to make? And then you stop turning around looking at that problem that is pursuing you. Because when you've got a problem, a big bear of a problem on you, a Goliath of a problem on you, you do feel like it's following you because no matter what you do, you're thinking about it. You put your head down on a pillow at night, you're thinking about it. You're in the car trying to go to the store and you're thinking about it. You go to meet a family member and you're thinking about it. It's always there. It's like that problem is just pursuing you the same way the Egyptians were pursuing the Israelites. All right. So God is saying to you today that I stand between you and your problem. Don't keep focusing on it. Have courage in the face of this fear that's trying to come upon you. And then you hold your peace. Hold your peace. All right. Okay. And you got to be honest. You know, that sounds easier. It sounds, you know, easier than it is. You find it difficult to hold your peace this week? Have you found, found it difficult? Is that because you're fixating on those chariots and those swords more than you should? What are you focusing on? Are we constantly watching the news or social media and hitting refresh on our phones or on our computers so we can see what the latest troublesome news is? Now, I'm not saying that 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 or suggesting that we should stick our heads in the sand and that it's, you know, it's important for us to be up to date on what's going on around us. But we don't want to go overboard with it either. OK. You, know, you don't have to be looking at the news 24 seven. We need to know what's going on because that helps us to 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 direct our prayer in terms of what's happening in the land. You know, in our city, in our state, in our province, in our country, in the world. It helps us to direct our prayer as Christians. All right? But we don't have to go seeking out, out the problem, seeking it out. We know what it is. We pray about it and we give it to the Lord. We don't turn around and constantly focus on that problem. Because God is indeed, God has our backs and he's between us and the problem. We have to make sure that we're able to hold on to our peace. Sometimes we feel that if we just understood the situation better, that we'd be back in control. Might that be keeping us from being able to hold our peace and not have fear like God is telling us to do? The minute you start thinking about, let me further understand the situation, because now maybe if I understood it better, I could get more involved and I could then therefore control the situation. Then if you start doing that, you run the risk of losing your peace. You run the risk of losing your peace. You want to find out more about it for you. First of all, ask the Lord, should I get more information? You ask the Lord, should I be involved? There's a contentious school board meeting coming, coming up and the Lord knows, man, we need more Christians. We need more Christians to be involved in those things. And, and parents need to stand up for the children. But you pray about that before you go and get yourself involved. Just don't be going for the sake of going. All right. You go to that meeting, you want to make sure that when you leave that meeting that you hold, you're able to hold on to your peace, that you say or do whatever Holy Spirit is guiding you to do, and you hold your peace on it, and you move on. We have to make sure that we realize that, 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 that in, in addition, you don't just seek God for the answer, realize that God is the answer. He is the answer. The Lord tells us as believers to not be anxious and to rest in him. God tells us to be courageous in the face of fear. Hold our peace. 
as believers, we have a specific role, especially in this season of time with what we're going through. It's similar to Moses in Exodus 14. It's being the voice of someone that calms the people around them, reminding them of God's faithfulness. We need to do that as children of God. Remind us, we need to understand, first of all, before you can, can, can help try to calm other people, you need to understand God's faithfulness. And, the, and more than understand, you need to believe it. And then after we are strong and firm in our belief, then we can pray about moving on and helping others to be more calm, especially in this time. And when you hear people that are frustrated or they're running in fear themselves, you know, and they have an enemy that's barreling down on them. They have an Egypt, if you will, that's barreling down on them. Remind them that God is indeed in charge and that God stands between them and their Egypt. God is a great and a powerful and an awesome God, and he does not want us out there struggling. We should then show them, be able to show them what it looks like to hold on to God's peace in the midst of chaos and uncertainty to show them how to be courageous in the face of fear. It's not about pretending that we have a plan or we know how all this is going to work out. It's not, it's not about all of that. And we don't know how it's all going to work out, but God does. God does. We don't know what's going to happen by the time the fall comes or the end of the year or into 2024. Here in this country, in America, we don't know how the, the uh, elections are going to go, but God does. So therefore, we need to hold our peace. We need to hold our peace because God is indeed the one that's in charge. He is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. Okay. And none of what is going on is taking God by surprise. Not a one. God knew all of this was going to happen. And some of the things that we see happening, if you're really, you know, a good student of the Bible and you're studying and what's going on, God prophesied, you know, that some of these things that are happening now you know, it was indeed going to happen. It's fascinating to read about the falling away of the church and how people are going to fall away. And you know, and you, you can read and find out what these statistics are today, how many people that actually admit that, that, they're, that they're Christian or that they believe in God at all, for that matter. That number of people has, has significantly dropped over the years. God talked about that. God talked about the great falling away. Okay. So, so, so God is not surprised, the point I'm trying to make to you is that God is not surprised at what is going on. So therefore, he knows. We may not know, but God does. So therefore, that's one reason for us to hold our peace, okay? For us to be courageous in the face of any fear that is out there trying to thrust itself upon us due to the economy or a host of other things that's going on around us. And finally, I just say to you that I encourage you to watch for what God is doing around you. I encourage you to watch what God is doing around you. There are multiple ways that God is moving. He's uniting people and drawing people closer to him. Oftentimes, crisis can be the thing that makes people really finally realize that they are at a dead end and that they meet God face to face. Many times we meet God face to face when we're at our lowest point. Many times that's what drives us to Become believers to ask Jesus Christ to come into our Lord, into our lives and be our Lord and Savior. Many times is when you have a crisis in life and you finally realize that there's no way up but God. This is when you meet God face to face. This is when you ask Lord Jesus to come into your life. All right. 
So hold on to your peace because God is indeed on the scene. We know the Lord is at work and we trust him. Even when we can't see or don't understand it. Even when we don't see and don't understand what's going on. We know that God is at work. This is how, again, I say we have courage in the face of fear and hold on to our peace. So say that we choose today to put our hope and faith in him. Say that today. You choose to put your faith and hope in him. That you choose today to carry his peace. That you choose today to hold on to that peace. That you choose today to to lift your eyes and watch expectantly to see him move. Because you know that he will. Now is the time for you to do that. Hold on to your, your, your peace. Regardless of what fears are going. Now is the time to be courageous. And if you can be courageous in the face of fear, you will indeed. Hold on to your peace. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And uh, if it was, consider sharing the links to um, to find us on the Internet to someone that you love, someone that you know, or even someone that's giving you a hard time because God doesn't want them to perish either. And we can be found at uh, www.genesis1.sermon.net, www.genesis1.sermon.net. You look at the top of the page, you see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified when these uh, messages are made available. Uh, we're also on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. And uh, uh, we, of course, have our free apps, free of charge, for Apple and Android devices. And those apps can be downloaded from their respective uh, Play Stores. Amen. Rappel and Andrea. Again, it's all free of charge. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> it's all free of charge. Uh, uh, nothing costs anything here to, to, to uh, download or to listen to. Uh, you can download the video portion or just the audio-only portion. It's up to you and save it for later on, all right? Pass it around. But praise God, I, I hope you've uh, been blessed by these words and, and you'll think, think about it. Think what's going on in your life, you know, and, and if you're really, really stressed out and you've got things going on. And today, who doesn't? It's just a matter of the, um, the level of depth of, of, uh, of anguish that you may be going to. But in either case, you know, even a little bit of anguish, let's just take it to the Lord, okay? And, and therefore, hold on to your peace. Amen, amen. Praise God. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And uh, I pray as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead of us, O Lord God, that we remember these words, O Lord, that we keep these words deeply planted within our spirits that they cannot be stolen away, O Lord. Help us to always, O oh Lord, seek your face, O oh Lord God. When we feel our peace slipping away, let us quickly remember to run to you because you are indeed the answer to all of our problems, to whatever is going on in our lives, O oh Lord God. Let us always to remember that when fearful times come, we will be courageous. We will wait on you and look to you, O oh Lord. And therefore, we know that that way we can hold on to our peace. Praise you, Lord God, and magnify thy name. In the master's name of Jesus, go forth and be blessed. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. Remember that Jesus is Lord. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your-